This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey. Call the cops. Hey. This level of foolishness hey. and joy. Hey. Houston, we have a hey. dog. I'm just chilling. Hey. Great ass. Hey. Damn it. I'm hey. Great ass. Hey. 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 You're a clown. Hey. Hey. Damn it. Hey. Hey. Yeah, people hey. are going to die. Hey. I want yeah, baby. <laughs> Kevin Costner, he's so much wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> I always like how they write this. It's like, he so much wanted to be. No, I'm sure he did. He so much. I mean, if he won, I know he would have really won. But you won. So he so much wanted to be here. But because of the, un, it's been raining, the unprecedented weather and flooding, he has to shelter in place in Santa Barbara. Jesus. <laughs> no, this is, no, this is a sad story right now. This is probably, he's, he's stuck in Santa Barbara. Let's pray, everyone. Let, let, no, 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 let, let's just. No, that's awful. No, no, no. This is true. This is true. Everyone, we do, we pray, and we hope that everyone affected by these storms remains safe. Oh, my God. So I'm going to accept that award right there on your behalf, Kevin. On my behalf. <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have Good Christian Fun. That was just a month ago, a month and a half ago at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Where Regina Hall accepted an award on behalf of Kevin Costner. Finding out what she was reading on the teleprompter while reading it. And I think that was my favorite part of the night. Mm-hmm. I think that was genuinely my favorite part that happened yeah. at that show. That was wild. She she told on him. Is I mean, I mean, what was what was your big exposure to her before this movie? Um, Girls Trip. Girls Trip. Kind of the I would say the actual breakout of Girls Trip. Yeah, like I know she was doing a lot of work before that, but uh, yeah, that was where she really came before my eyes and I grew to love her. I remember as a young 11-year-old boy watching Allie McBeal, <laughs> season four, and uh-huh. who should pop up on the TV but Regina Hall. Regina Hall. In her first TV role that I can remember her in uh, as Coretta Lip on Allie McBeal's season four and season five. You know who else was in season four of Allie McBeal? Beal, Robert Downey Jr. Wow. It's just so I've silly. I've never seen a single episode of Allie McBeal. Mm-hmm. I should, though. I feel like it's referenced so often. I'm just, I wish I knew what was going on on that show. It It's from such a different time in television that I feel like you for you to go back and watch it, it'll feel like, it won't feel like 20 years ago, which it is. It'll feel like 45 or 55 years. <laughs> like, it, it, it just feels so... Yeah. Musty, crusty compared to In a what? charming way or in a kind of like, oh, this is not that entertaining anymore kind of well, way? I have no perspective on it because I had it growing up. You know uh, what right. I mean? So I, maybe, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. 
Uh, Good huh. Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, the music, and the movies. And the entertainment made for and made by, made about Christians. But we're not here to make fun of you or to make you go to church. We're just here to have fun. We're just here to have good Christian fun. We're just here good to honk, honk fun. for good honking fun is what we should have <laughs> called it. Gee, oh, my God. Why did oh, my we God. What is this, our fourth or fifth movie of the year? We did Dial of Prayer. Cranking the movies we did, we just this year. Cranking them out. I'm in a cranking sort of mood this year. Yeah, you are. Uh uh, Let There Be Light, we did last year, uh, last week. We did Frick. American Underdog. American Underdog. I guess this is our fourth. Underhog. American Underhog. Wait, what was the fourth one? American Underdog, Let There Be Light, Dial Hog, of Prayer. Light. Oh, Dial and yeah. Goodness. Yeah, okay. Beep Boop, Beep Boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if you've, if you've gone back and rewatched it, but that's something that kind of grows. With Rewatch the, Dial of Prayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Citizen Kane where you go back and you catch things you didn't see before Yeah, the first time. I feel the same way. I've been watching it every Monday and every Friday mm-hmm. since sort of the beginning and the end of my work week. Yeah. Kind of reset me. Dial of Prayer rowdy screenings at the Alamo <laughs> Draft House. <laughs> I'm going to do a Dial of Prayer birthday party this year. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the phone. I'm dressed up as the phone and you have to dial me. I'm William H. Macy. I'm, I'm going to be a surly little Britney Snow. Yeah, that would be cool. But it's it's fun. It's fun to focus on this part. Focus on the film. Of the culture. Yeah. I guess this is the, the one we're talking about today. Hunt for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Which is a movie that came out last year. Starring Sterling K. Brown and Regina King. Not Regina King. Excuse me. Regina Hall. I always do that in my head. But they're so because different. Because you- I... Because I, because you're, because of my, a racist. No, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I do the same thing with Regina Spector. So it's just Regina. So I'm like, <laughs> I love that song, uh, "Fidelity" by Regina King. I mean Regina I mean, Hall. Spectre. I mean Regina Spector. Right, right, right. Man, you know who's good in cross trip? Regina Spector. <laughs> That's what I do with her. I promise. Exactly. Man, have you checked out her new music? I so associate Regina Spector with you. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, no, I check out her music. Um I I've got to look at what this last album was even called. Cause it was the one where it's like, hey y'all, I haven't done it in like nine years yeah. or whatever it's been. Home before and after. I did le- yes, I did like this album. Okay. Um there was only a couple songs that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. The rest were kind of like, that's nice, you okay. know. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if that necessarily means the quality of this album is less or maybe like my tastes have changed since I was young and It's hard to find new albums that you'll listen to over and over again. And of course, I'm I'm having a similar moment right now where it's like the things I grew up with in my childhood, do they still have the same tapering? Now, I don't know. We evolve, we change sometimes. I hope so. You know, I have new genres in my life now. Uh, I will tell you the album I am hitting on repeat constantly is SOS by SZA. Okay, great. Pretty much always happy it's on when it's on. Great. Is that something where you do start to memorize the lyrics? Or is mm-hmm. it... Or I, I have this thing where I'll listen to like Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. I've listened to probably 
hundreds of times over and over again, but I would have to look at the track list to tell you which song right. is called what. Well, I think both of these women do have a little bit of an enunciation problem <laughs> with their songs, so it makes sense. You're kind of like, salty, happy. For me, it is that new 1975 album, which does have a, a song after your namesake. There's a song called Oh Caroline. Oh, there is? Yeah, and it's really oh. good. I think you would like it. Wait. And I have thought of you when I've listened to it. Let me... Uh... Oh Caroline by the 1975. You know, I have a playlist of just songs that are titled Caroline. I do know that, and that's why I regret not telling you <laughs> earlier. But yeah, Oh Caroline that's from okay. Being Funny in a Foreign Language. I'm going to can... add it to the list. Uh-huh. Oh, you know what? I already had it in my playlist, so maybe I had already listened to it. Or... Or we've already had this exact conversation. Perhaps. But yes, Regina Spector, Regina Hall, and Regina King. I do get mixed up. Reginis. All the time. Regina in a bottle, baby. Regina's a great name. Yeah, I no? think so. I wouldn't name my child that, but I do think it's a nice name. Like, it probably means queen. It feels like it does, right? I think it does, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Regina is like queen Elizabeth. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture and we do say we what are. we think names probably mean based on our feelings. <laughs> That's what people come back week and after we week. We do for. think like that makes sense. That sounds right. About right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. All right. 2023. Let's do a heart check-in. Okay. We're about a little over a month into it. Yeah. How- We're past resolutions, earliest stages. Gosh. How's your how's your 2023 heart? How how's it feeling right now before we talk about this movie? Oh, I think it feels good. Excuse me. I got a burp coming up. <laughs> a heart burp? A little yeah, yeah. A heart burp. By that's, Nora Ephron. that's your heart heart burp by Nora Ephron. Uh the Meryl Streep film. But yeah, that's your heart saying, like, don't worry, I'm doing great. Okay. And sending a little signal. Or, um out. trying to say, help me. Uh, I think it's pretty good. I I feel like, yeah, this year has started strong mm-hmm. so far. I feel like I had a good January. I had some time off in January. I was just kind of floating around. Um, and I'm happy with how work is going. I'm sort of sprucing up the home, mm-hmm. everything. So I feel like I have like the productivity part of my brain and personality is like very appeased right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. I feel like for my heart, I feel, without getting too much into it, I feel like there's certain friends of mine that are engaging with faith issues in a way that's so interesting to me. So I'm almost living vicariously through their experiences. And uh, almost, uh, you know, I, I, I imagine... Maybe what a parent goes through when they play music or movies that they loved uh, growing up for their kid for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and and that goes both ways. Like uh, even speaking to when we had our friend Adam on uh, a couple of weeks ago for American Underhog uh, in terms of deconstruction or other friends of mine that are maybe exploring faith for the first time in different ways or, uh, you know, where, wherever it is on the spectrum. I feel like it's on a lot of people's minds right now. And ideas of faith and death are just like very ever present in people's hearts right now for whatever reason. Hmm. So I feel like it's, it's been on my mind and heart a lot, but, um, so it has reengaged me to certain things of like, I finally freaking cracked open Jesus and John Wayne again, a book I probably started reading 
two years ago, pathetically. I think earlier than that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe it's like three years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I should finish it. I'm like 35% of the way through. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. You reference it so often. I guess that first third really... It did. It does resonated. the work. Yeah. It resonated. <laughs> no, I'm just getting out to the chapters about like how Oliver North and the Iran Contra scandal existed in the Christian culture oh, sphere, yeah. um, which is so funny. Like, because we're just like right after that as millennials in terms of like the the scandal of our time politically was like Clinton stuff mm-hmm. uh, for our childhoods, I should say. Um, but but Oliver North was like a Christian hero for funneling money to the Contras. And it's it's just so, when you read the history of, of American Christianity, it is just first and foremost, so stupid. Like the- Clown show. The things that resonate, there was at one point in the, the book by Kristen uh, Kobez, let me get the name right, Kristen Kobez Dumez. Uh, she outlines how Dr. James Dobson made a <laughs> he made a film about like the importance of like the family structure and like you know the kind of one on one evangelical talking point of like it's the root, the building block of our society is mm-hmm. nuclear family, one man, one hierarchy woman, within that children, family. married sex, all that stuff. And the film is called Where's Dad? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a version of Where's Dad where they had the faith aspects of it taken out and they showed it to all of the U.S. military <gasps> for about a year. What? It's so funny. Huh? So I've really been enjoying Strange. getting back into that. Um, and re-engaging, uh, you know, even outside of doing this show with uh, with some of that on my own. What were it's, you it's going so back to the book for? Like, what was it about this? these new expressions or thinking that was coming to you that you're like, you know, I got to dive back back in this book. Honestly, it was still feeling like every part of our political process was just so defined by this timeline and trajectory and handful of events. And like the idea of like Roe v. Wade being overturned and feeling like the country's being held hostage by the minority of people and just like how this happened how the deal with the devil with the Supreme Court shit happened, the rise of Trumpism, and just feeling the effects of that in 2023 and even like post-pandemic or post-vaccine pandemic things. Still, it it still feels like American life is defined by this in ways that are like, not in like social narcissism way of like, actually everything's about the thing I care about, but like it just it, it, in a nefarious way. I mean, where it's like, sure. wow, this is this is wild. How pervasive this is, yeah, into so much of the infrastructure of our country and our government and things we take for granted. I think just maybe feeling that a little bit more made me want to understand, right, how we how we got to that point. Yeah, and it is all such recent history too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it yeah it it's not like. Oh, it's been this way for 200 years. Like, mm-hmm. like if the founding fathers were like, you know, God hates abortion, you know, that, <laughs> right. it would be so. Like, that makes a little more sense to trace it. But it's like, oh, there was this machinations going on, like when my parents were in their 20s mm-hmm. or maybe in their 40s. And like, I'm now living with that. And I can even remember pieces of it in yeah. my own life, you know. The people who architected the move of like, if you're a Christian, then you're uh, pro-life. Are people who are still alive. Right. That's so interesting to think about. That is. Like 
the the few rhetorical chess moves in political discourse that have like intractably fucked elections for the rest of our lifetime is like th- those are the people who are still living. Yeah, and it's crazy they're still living yet reading the recent history of the things they did when they were younger it feels like unfathomable, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, that like mm-hmm. a Dobson video was shown to the entire military for a year <laughs> is unreal. It's so and when it's like such Where's propaganda Dad? too, like it's insane, you know, <laughs> like what bizarre, bizarre. Yeah, it, the Oliver North stuff. I, I <laughs> obviously I, I urge people to check that out, but it's just like, and, and and you know me, and you know my my little homeschooled heart. I'm dumb with history, mm. so when I find things out, I'm like, he did what? Excuse me. <laughs> I feel like you you almost get a more interesting peek at history or understanding at it because you're kind of following your own interests into the same, you know, buckets that we all were sort of carried through, but we weren't enjoying it at the time or interested in it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, every constructing it with every historical fiction or something that depicts real life events, I'm enthralled by because I don't it's know just what's gonna pure happen. Fiction to you. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> when, you know, in that Daniel Day Lewis movie, I'm like all right, I guess President Lincoln's going to a play. I hope he has a good time. Oh, a Vietnam movie. I, I cool. It. I know we're gonna win. I hope but we win. Obviously. I know we're gonna win. But, but I'm like, still. Ow. Fingers crossed. Yeah. How are they gonna get there? That's why watching those Tarantino movies, I was like, it really messed me up for a little bit. The, the alternate histories, right? Yeah. Because I was like, is did Hitler still have die? a hard time keeping him straight? Yeah. That way. So. Yeah. So I've been trying to re-engage and and explore some of that and and trying to, you know, the 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 101 resolution stuff about exercise or book reading or things I feel like I've done an okay job with. Mm. I feel like I've like uh, you know, been closing my dumb little rings nice. on Apple Watch. Rings. I've been getting back into the yeah, yeah, the rings. So there's an Apple Watch listeners. Uh-huh. We're listening to this. We'll understand. Maybe you're listening on your Apple Watch. How beautiful would that be? But there's three rings you have every day. You have your stand ring, you have your exercise ring, and your move rings. Not Ow. mood ring, but move ring. <laughs> but I, I'm so happy I get to be the dork ass bitch that explains this. You to have you. not only the the shackle on your wrist, mm-hmm. but you have little illustrated shackles in That's your right. life that you get to follow. But if I do enough things, the shackles will let me go free. <laughs> the, the shackles will tell you you're a good boy. That's right. Take the shackles <laughs> off my ring so I can dance. I which, can't believe the military let it control their lives like that. Anyway. anyway mm-hmm, I, I love, love you, Mr. Kogan. I have to kiss my Apple Watch five times or it won't <laughs> let me sleep at tonight. <laughs> I subscribe to, uh, I talk about it all the time, but Anne Helen Peterson's uh, Substack. I think it's called Culture Studies. She used to be a BuzzFeed. She's an incredible writer. And she had a great interview with the software developer about like the gamification of a lot of aspects of, of being alive in 2023. Mm-hmm. Not only like the, people have written plenty about like the gamification of fitness, like Orange Theory things or like, Fitbit, Apple Watch, like close the rings or do a streak, but also like you can have streaks on the Delta app, your airline app, or or people who are learning a different language, you get like streaks for doing Duolingo, right? X amount of days in a row, bunch of streakers, all yeah. of us, and just kind of some of the psychology behind it and the developer, it, it, very interesting insight. If people want to check out that 
that interview. But certainly didn't change my mind. I'm still <laughs> absolutely beholden. You're just enthralled by the brilliance of the design, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> Good job. You did the best you could. No, I worship it, truly. <laughs> I appreciate it. You got to do what works for you. And it, totally. And it did make sense for me because I don't know if you respond to like the metrics part of like, oh, I did this time of mile or I did this many whatever. I got this many steps. I could do more the next day. Yeah. But it really made sense for my brain at the time. You're a data guy. I feel, wait, no. I You I, love the numbers. I think there's a 50% chance I'm not a data you guy. have <laughs> a love affair with numbers. Data tracking quotas. I, I you don't really see it do. That That's way. okay. I don't know. Why are you ashamed of it? You shouldn't. You know, it's just like some people. It's good. I feel scared by numbers. I feel. I feel shackled. You mm-hmm. know, is the word. But that's like it's the inverse for you. You feel inspired. You made me sound like a Eugene Meltzner type <laughs> or something. And you're like a <laughs> Connie. Mean, some people see him as the hero of Adventures and Odyssey. Yeah, some people do. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's so not wrong this is different so um, i get it but yeah I, I i need to figure out a way to get reading streaks maybe that'll unlock it yeah for me. well you know at the bottom of every page of a book there is a number and if you can hit you can <gasps> oh, go, and it you goes increase up. those numbers yeah you can hit like 200 400 500 oh shit the more you go there is a caroline <laughs> i mean as much as you're like dragging me right now uh, neutrally it's like <laughs> there is an accuracy to this where it's like it'd be fun to watch all of the Noah Bobbach movies and shit like <laughs> like the completion of a thing or like yeah I have a friend right now who's walking all the streets of Silver Lake to see if she can walk all of them you cool. know just as a as a pedestrian yeah I yeah I do respond to that why not I just need to so maybe maybe I need to think about that like in a conversation with my friends or like with you of like, maybe there's like 10 emotions I can hit in any conversation. <laughs> and if I do, then that was a really good conversation. So like, yeah, happy, right. insightful, emotional, rage, rounding the bases, anger, sadness, <laughs> <Rage>. joy, grief, <laughs> confusion, <laughs> confusion, uh, vitriol. Mm-hmm. And, and then if I do those, then, then perhaps spiral. That's a good conversation. Yeah. You know, the more I think about it and talking about your friend exploring all the streets, I'm like your data completionist or your inspiration from numbers. You're kind of an explorer in that way mm-hmm. of like, what would happen if I hit this number? What happens when data tells me my friendship is 13 years long versus 10 years long? What happens when I've seen seven movies with this many people versus three? You know, like these are things that light you up. And that's cool. I think numbers are flying. Yeah. I'm coming up on my 10 year anniversary of therapy, which you can hear about in our BetterHelp ads. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You're hitting the punch card on that one. I'm like, a decade of this, and this is still who I am. Interesting. Yeah. All right. You're uh you're like a scientist in your own life a lot of, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm like the I'm who Chris Martin was singing about. Yeah. I'm the scientist. Exactly. Did you see them on SNL? I did. Watch I did. Them? Yeah, they were fun. And that little alien guy that came out and kind of danced great. with them. I really am starting to measure like what I think about an artist based on how well they can pull off their SNL performance. I'm pretty sure a lot of people do this, but like it is not an easy stage at all. No, it's and not. Even when you have an incredible backdrop and concept and dancers and all this like money 
uh, you can still be pretty flat. Like the guy who was on, I think, Lil Baby, he did it. Little Baby. He had an awesome set. His outfit looked amazing. He was so boring to watch. Uh-huh. He had like no energy at all. I could imagine that. I think that's fair. And I think that's like such a, I, I love how old fashioned of a mechanism mm-hmm. SNL is for like music recommendation in that sense of like, here's maybe this RC, Jack Harlow, who's that? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, if you like, maybe you'll yeah. like him after watching this. And if you can like on that tiny stage with not a lot of editing to make you look cooler, not a big stadium to augment the icon status, you and know, like mixed kind of poorly, mixed poor, yeah, yeah, mixed terribly. The audience is so far away from you; they're probably not standing; they're just watching you. Do you still have an, the ability to entertain? Mm-hmm. Coldplay did it. Brandy Carlisle did it. Rosalia did it. Uh, Ashley Stallion. Simpson did it. <laughs> Ashley famously, Simpson broke the mold when she did it. <laughs> So um, anyway, Coldplay, I liked it a lot. And I, I thought that was smart to bring a choir in. I think that was fun. I thought it was smart to bring an alien in. I, that was nice of them. for unusual. the you know. And I know some people are like, <laughs> oh, that was a diversity hire. Of course, you have to have an intergalactic alien nowadays right, if you're a band. Right, but He's really like flexing when he does that. He's kowtowing to the PC <laughs> woke alien police. He is. Here's what I want to know. Maybe you can find this out from your contacts mm-hmm. is – who is footing the bill for the like stage decoration when those artists come? Oh, I think it's oh, that is an interesting question. Some of them are like a lot better and some of them are not. Some of them are elaborate. I would imagine that it's it's the show. I would imagine because I, I think it's the artist. You think it is the artist? I think it's their label. Interesting. Because like I I feel like they probably have to supply their own costumes, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then the stage direction. I'm sure SNL may like help a little bit or offer like a backup, but if you want something like cool, like some of them have a full like light screen on every wall, Fahrenheit 451 style, like built-in thing and I'm like there's no way SNL paid for, bought that, set that up for them, you know? Mm, that is such an interesting question. I mean, the label paying for it totally makes sense. Right? Cuz it's like a PR thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe it is that Man, I should talk to... Fancier artists get better stages on SNL. There was one... Did you watch... um, (laughs) Did you watch when Aubrey Plaza hosted? And of course, they did a White Lotus sketch Mm -hmm. called The Black Lotus. Yeah. Did you watch this sketch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one joke in it. That's GCF Court. And I finally watched it the other day. (laughs) And I was... I was absolutely delighted by it. I just want to play it. Hey, beautiful. You'll let me sing tonight, right? I'm good. I promise I won't let you down. Oh, you want to sing? You think you can replace Kenny in the Kirk Franklin Lounge? We Yeah, I laughed so hard when that came on. I was like, Kirk the, Franklin. The Kirk Franklin joke at the in Kirk Franklin Lounge. Yeah, that that's the lounge at the Black <laughs> it did look fun. Incredibly funny. <laughs> uh, which, you know, that sort of music and style that kind of transitions us pretty well into our movie. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good Christian fun. 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. Honk. It's time to dive into the topic. Honk, honk. Honk for Jesus, save your soul. Honks for Jesus. Honks for Jesus, save your whole. <laughs> Skonks for Jesus, save your soul. Thanks for Jesus. So you, you, you had heard of this movie. I had heard of this movie. I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a comedy. Funny, silly, goofy, hoo-hoo, hee-hee movie. Did you too? Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll play just like a quick snippet of the trailer just to give people a, a taste of what we thought the flavor of this movie this is gonna chronicle might be. This is going to chronicle the ultimate comeback. Showtime. Showtime. I just want to clarify some things before we, before we get started. Every woman is not built for the great responsibility of being a first lady. Pastor Lee Curtis Childs faces allegations of misconduct. His megachurch may never be the same. Lee Curtis and I, we're going to get to the other side. Here you go. Yeah, with the big old microphone. Come in closer, son. You're going to see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> Showtime. What's up? Oh. Fresh is our turn, baby. Lee Curtis is a talent, a star. Oh boy! Yeah, looks looks pretty fun, right? Yeah. Honk for Jesus, save your soul. So this is the debut feature from Adama Ebo. Uh, it's her first movie. It was based on a short film she did of the same name. Oh. Where the premise is identical of it. So the short film tackles 
the same story, which is uh, a pastor, Lee Curtis Childs, and uh, his wife, Trinity Childs, and their reopening of their church after weathering a scandal of some sort. It was also done in sort of a uh, documentary style. The movie switches between the actual documentary that this crew is shooting and then a more like objective third-party perspective. It changes aspect ratios, the the stuff where the documentary crew is not shooting is in a wider screen and the documentary itself is flyer. So it goes back and forth in that. And so there's this theme of performance and vulnerability and like who you're putting on airs for, which is so much, uh, it's so intrinsic to what church culture is. And, you know, like, well, bless your heart, you know, that sort of thing. What you say to Sunday, say to someone on Sunday versus what you say to them the next day or when you run into them in the street later on. And it's dealing with a lot. And and at first glance, and I would say for the first half hour, it's sort of setting you up for like, oh, this is sort of um, playing in the same waters as a righteous gemstone. Right, like kind of poking fun at the hypocrisy of church leaders. Lampooning a specific kind of uh, megachurch culture and righteous gemstones, it would be like the televangelist sort of strain of it. And this is more like uh, black churches in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There, there's like a prosperity ri- gospel yes. pastor. Yeah. And yes, yeah, someone who's absolutely swagged out to the max and, and certain kinds of outfits. And, and there's the sort of gags you expect of like, you know, stepping in your Louis Vuittons and gum and things like that mm-hmm. in, in outfits. And then the movie does reveal itself to be quite a harrowing Ooh, drama of oh my a God. sort. Yeah. And and dealing with themes that are uh not what you would expect from something like a Christopher Guest, but for pastors <laughs> yeah. sort of pitch that you get yes. in in the trailer. So Caroline, just j- j- just starting from this perspective. It, did you enjoy watching the movie? Is, is this something that you would say to a friend, you should watch this movie, it's pretty good? Um, I'd say like I meet a medium enjoyed it. I don't know if I would recommend it unless someone was like interested or this is the kind of church they grew up in or something. Um, for the general public, I, I would say no. But it, I feel like there were a lot of parts that were very well done and interesting and compelling and kind of like, you know, train wreck watching, which is kind of fascinating. And then um, we'll get into it too. But also the the tone shift and everything was pretty jarring as well and kind of really interrupted my enjoyment of the movie. Yeah. How about you? I, it, it's like, a, it's something that it, if you're interested in the two actors, Sterling K. Brown, and Regina Hall, then it, it feels like just a sh- showcase for both of them. Their performances were amazing. They're they're so immaculate in it, yeah. honestly, that it, it is worth it for that, and especially for her, and she gets a lot to chew on. And Yeah. And if you like looking at Sterling K. Brown's body, there's a lot for you to chew Something on to as enjoy. well. Who, who wouldn't enjoy that? And it felt like such a good deployment of both of their personas and sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um especially for Sterling K. Brown, who just feels trapped in make me cry land on This Is Us for six years or however long it's been or in really heavy roles like in in Black Panther. And Regina Hall's like a little more used to comedies like this, but he's genuinely just like so charismatic and so funny. And she is 
And people talk about how underrated she is, but she's still underrated, I think, mm-hmm. even given all of that praise and adulation. In movies like Girls Trip or the original Scary Movies or Support the Girls, uh, an indie movie from a few years ago. So just based on that alone, that definitely covers for a multitude That's true. Of, of perhaps shortcomings in the movie where like with lesser performers, you might want to tap out before. Uh, and especially for, for some of the heavier stuff in this, you are just watching them act and, and carry a movie that like maybe isn't worthy of their talents in some ways, especially in, in the sense of like starting, starting with like the more cynical version of this. Cause we talk about movies that are faith-based on this show a lot. And then there's this kind of movie, which is dealing with faith, but not made from a faith perspective. So like from a secular or neutral perspective, not funded by you know, Sorbo's CPAC or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Literally not funded by Sean Hannity. (laughs) So when you, when you deal with that stuff, you're always looking for what, what is this saying? And is it worth saying? And how is it saying it in, in terms of like the world of faith and, and, and like we said a little bit before, there's so much about the idea of performance in this movie and the sort of way that this couple is when the cameras are on versus how they're off. And then, of course, just like uh, some of the sincerity or insincerity that people associate with church culture in general. But, you know, that being said, that it, there's so many like first draft ideas or insights that you might expect from something of like, you know, actually Christians are kind of hypocritical too. Or actually, did you know people who go after this issue are the ones that struggle with it the most? Or actually, people live in these gilded cages, and you know it's not perfect, but they get comfortable in there. And then you do wonder beyond that, what a movie or a television show dealing with this stuff would have to say. And it feels like the most successful versions of movies like this are when you get to that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth thought that you would have about it. Not just the first thought of like, it's pretty silly how hypocritical these like blinged out pastors on CBN are. And for this movie... I was still by the end while having a lot of questions raised during the movie and some of it very artfully done and artfully performed. I I was interested more in things that the movie didn't seem to be interested in, Mm -hmm. in terms of the world and what it was having to say. And just like in a manner of recap, and you can watch this movie if you want to, it's on Amazon prime. If you subscribe to daddy Bezos, his service, but the movie it's it unfurls, uh, and we'll talk about it in spoiler territory. That the pastor played by Sterling K. Brown, Lee Curtis Childs, does have affairs with a lot of young men and very young men, men who are like eighteen to twenty two years old. Right, like not technically illegal, but yes. like really wrong. And he was mentoring them, and they were like struggling. Just to put it in context. Yeah, troublingly young. Like something where, yeah, again, not technically, but not like he slept with one of the, you know, other dads in the church or something, but definitely setting up like a, a like one of the, the darkest dynamics that you could possibly have where it's like, uh, and, and we're familiar with like youth pastors who take advantage of, of their like kids and students in, um, in their flock. But then, uh, I think it was surprising watching a movie marketed this way where it's like, and also Sterling K. Brown <laughs> did this too. was was uh, uh, was shocking to see. Yeah. And 
I was curious as to what the movie wanted to say about something like that. There's plenty, there's plenty of cases that are similar um, to this. Uh, Pastor Eddie Long, who uh, Eddie Lee Long, who who passed away uh, five or six years ago, had similar um, legal issues and sexual impropriety as to this. So it might have been partially based on that. Um, but I was really curious, and I wonder what your take was, as what you thought like the movie was getting at by portraying it this way and unfurling itself as something that starts broader and then goes more into the depths and the psychosis of people who are in these positions of power and influence, especially religiously. Um, yeah, well said. I think that there were like, there were like nine different ideas that they were toying with, like nine different facets of this kind of culture. And maybe the filmmaker kind of started out by trying to just like, maybe help people who were either raised in it or outside of it, like understand how this plays out, like how this um, kind of man can become so influential. Mm -hmm. But I think that by the end of the movie, the crux of it seemed to be a lot more about Trinity and like the humiliations that she has to endure in order to support, prop up, enable this man, this pastor. And that to me became the most interesting facet of church life by the end of the movie was like, what is, what do these two have to compromise and say and not say to each other in order to keep this going? And I think that that like, that may maybe ended up being the primary theme because you see it echoed with a new church couple that's starting the younger version of this church that's going to open on the same day. And you already see, you see them in like the beginning stage and then you see Regina Hall and Sterling in the end stage of that relationship. So with yeah. these two, you see like the romance and the fun and the enamored feeling they have about themselves and their church and like all the good they're going to do and like the pure confidence that people are going to love it and like they're going to come to them and that they deserve to be advising all these people <laughs> like even and I feel like you see that especially when they like meet with Sterling and Regina and they think that they're actually coming for marriage counseling mm -hmm. and they kind of don't blink they're kind of like well it's a little unusual but like here's what we usually do <laughs> like the gall to think that, that that that's like what they came there for betrays like their arrogance and like in their youth. And then anyway, so you're you're now at the end and you've seen this played out with Regina and Sterling or Trinity and Lee Curtis and like what the rubble is of that relationship and like what they built together because she has like had to be his happy mask and be his cheerleader and be all this like support because he actually couldn't do it without her because she also has to be pretty. She has to be fun. She has to stand up on that stage with him. And she lends him legitimacy in more than one way. And even like a uh, hetero legitimacy as well, which is like questioned far later mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. we find out like his allegations. So I feel like that was really interesting. Like just seeing what 
first ladies. I love that they call her a first lady too and not the pastor's wife. Yeah, or or not, uh, you know, at Joel and Victoria Osteen's church, they call Victoria a co-pastor. Yeah. Which is just like a purely ceremonial right, title. Right, right. It doesn't have anything to do with her actual influence. But it So it like elevates her, mm-hmm. but it's still like, we know what first lady means. That doesn't mean like maybe literal church power to the congregants the way that Lee Curtis has. So you see her struggle with like, for her entire life, she's been okay just wielding the soft power of, like, the wife to this man. And that has been gratifying to her up until now when she's not only, like, not able to suppress the fact that he has, like, betrayed her so horribly <laughs> and also the fact that he can't even deliver on what made it worth it to her all this time anymore. And the things that used to work for them to get him back on track aren't working anymore And so, and she's probably the only character that, like, has an evolution. Like, Lee Curtis is still going to keep doing Lee Curtis shit. And Mm -hmm. we see that by the Mm -hmm. end of the movie. Like, even when he has a a small moment of reckoning, you think, he just goes right back into his pattern of, like, I'm the greatest. This is going to work. We've got this or whatever. She's the one who's, like, the bricks are starting to fall from the wall. So, to me, that was, like, the best part of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) really investigating the dynamics of a powerful church couple. And it is so fascinating because so rarely is someone able to break out and speak plainly about that kind of relationship. Like even in a fall of Mars Hill, you can have ex-staff people talk plainly about what happened and have this 180, but it's, it's much rarer for the spouse to break out. Think about Carl Lentz's spouse. Same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same thing. Um, and it is, for a multitude of reasons, like a lot less safe and a lot less of an option for the first ladies of these men, you know, to be able to break out, to, to even speak plainly to themselves about what's been going on and what happened and, and what they had to compromise and the humiliation they had to endure in order to get the kind of small reward of being this status with him. Yeah. And you do wish, I agree with you, that that's like the most interesting and most salient thing is that sort of, you know, with the engine for that TV show all those years ago with Julianne Margulies, The Good Wife was about, and just kind of the Hillary of it all. What would it be like to be with someone in this, you know, wild position of power, influence, status, to weather this thing that's a humiliation to them, to you, to your family in a lot of ways. And then I guess the interesting part of this would be <clears throat> the intersection of, of it in a religious context where that sort of thing, you know, like if you're a, a recording artist, you know, in, in just mainstream music, you cheating on your spouse or sleeping with someone else is, has little to no effect on your career. Right. And if you're Amy Grant, totally that's not separate. the that's not the story. Mm-hmm. Uh or 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 not even cheating for her. It's like divorce. Even divorce, like as a or right. and especially cheating. I guess Sandy Patty cheater or whatever. I forget. Um, but but you you do wish that it would be a little more specific about why people stay. And then that becomes kind of the central question by the end of the movie and the documentarians who 
or characters in the movie that are off screen the whole time and don't speak the whole time do ask her at the end, why, why not just leave? And she does have this uh, very harrowing, very well-executed, well-done sort of uh, performance and monologue to the documentary within this movie about like, why, why do I stay? Well, here's why. And it's, it's a bunch of nothing in a lot of ways. Like it's a, it's a lot of like half justifications and not logical fall through. There's not even a thing of like, because I'm getting something out of this too. Mm -hmm. And the, the only inkling you get to like, you know, the truth of it would be a scene with her mom earlier in the movie where her, you know, and she, Regina Hall's talking to her mom about like why her marriage is tough and weathering this stuff. And her mom kind of reinforces this idea of like, your husband's your husband. You stay married no matter what. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about how she was faithful to her husband. Sweet guy, come here. How she was faithful to her husband until the end, until the grave is what she says Mm -hmm. in the movie. And so even when Regina Hall is looking for like a little bit of empathy or permission or a way out from someone that she would love the most, she doesn't get it. And so there's just like, it's, which is very dark and and the things that we're talking about in this movie are very dark. A lot of it is uh, played lighter or for more laughs. And some of it is played like with the, with the appropriate dramatic stakes. There's a scene where one of um, Sterling K. Brown's, uh, one of the, the kids that he had an affair with or the victims, whatever you want to call it, confronts him. And he talks about like, you took advantage of me. I really needed you. And that's what makes it maybe more interesting than like a regular story of infidelity is like someone who you would be looking to for guidance morally and in terms of like the spectrum of virtue and character and then the betrayal of that. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like a guy stepping out on his partner or something. And it doesn't quite interrogate that to the... Especially when it's like all the pieces are there and maybe like the handful of scenes that they spend on just church shenanigans Mm -hmm. and spinning signs and, you know, Atlanta churches are kind of silly, huh? They could spend on a little more interiority or maybe more scenes where you do see Regina Hall feel a little more conflicted about it yeah, rather than just feel trapped because the movie ends with her just like trapped and staring at the camera right. trapped. And well, I think you can tell she does feel conflicted about it, mm-hmm. but also she's been complicit in all of this too. And working with everyone to pay the hush money and to figure it out and to keep Lee Curtis happy and on the right track and uh, almost writing his sermons for him and things like that. And that's what makes her interesting too, is like she is, very much a part of all the gross stuff that's been going on in this church, all the rot at the core of it. But you also see that she has been probably trained since she was a little girl to do this and to As an stick apologist. with him and actually like the most morally righteous thing she could do is do whatever she can to cover for her husband and to like make it right, no matter who the victim is, you know, mm-hmm. even herself. So yeah, I think that like there you could have had all the same like footage of this movie and edited different ways probably could have like, yeah, honed in either like what's the dynamic relationship with um, Lee Curtis and the boys, men that he abused. What's more this relationship with her and him. 
what's more the relationship with them and the faithful five that are stuck back with the church, you know, or like, um, and I, I think maybe they were afraid, like if we just did the serious stuff and didn't add all this levity that like people wouldn't watch it or would not be interested in it, which maybe they're right. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I feel like it could have used a re-edit or like a refocus. You I know, know what you mean, man, because all the thing I was thinking too is that whatever the truth is of so many couples who are like this that that we understand in our culture. I mean, not to go back to Bill and Hillary, but like I always think what there's the public performance of it that everyone understands is a public performance by the nature of it being in public. And then whatever bargain those kind of people must strike with each other mm-hmm. in privacy and in, you know, in the rooms that no one can see must be so fascinating. And I even so saying like, I don't even mean that in a cynical way of like, and they probably hate each other and sleep in different rooms, but like whatever understanding and intimacy of via like partnership and yes. whatever the cooperation that that must entail to whether it's holding a country together or a church together or a business or a local community or a small town. That must be, be so- one of the most complicated negotiations ever that two people can have. And I and I think that was scratched at a little bit mm-hmm. in this movie. But it wasn't fully it didn't it come it didn't come to full fruition where it's like, oh, I understand how this friendship almost works, you know, between these two people. Right. Or I understand this is why they first fell in love and this is why they must have stayed together for this reason. Or or even the differences between like their ideas of faith. And and there are interesting faith thematics in the movie in the sense of like uh you know, Pastor Childs, when he's uh, rehearsing his his sermon to come back, it is all about the conviction he has that the community needs him. And that he's new. Yeah. And that he's like been renewed and he's been, you know, he's doing the work. He did his notes, apology app, screenshot. And then his victim at one point later in the movie says like, the community does not need you. And I thought that was an interesting theme to to get at of puncturing the idea that for so many people in this and so many people, I'm sure in the SBC or Paige Patterson and, you know, these clowns that like continue to maintain positions of great influence or shepherding large flocks that a lot of the psychosis behind it is this, this holy conviction that is just not founded in tenets of reality, probably most totally. of the time. Or, you know, I don't think they showed this in the movie, but what is most common and would happen with many men like this is there would be a windfall of shitty men who are also like high-ranking members of the community that would tell them like, it does have to be you. You do need to get on that pulp. Like reaffirming the psychosis that like, I am the one basically that God has sent and I have to do this. Yeah. And I almost wonder if it was a less realistic move to have so many people leave the church. That's what I was thinking that, too. That I was did. like, a good half, maybe more would have stayed. Because the the movie posited that the scandal breaks and all this information comes to light and literally only five people. Yeah, yeah out of their like thousands of people a week. I'm like, no, it would be so many more than that. And that feels almost like a budgetary production or COVID concern as much as it does a creative decision about the story where it's like, that probably would be more the case, but it's easier, obviously, to shoot. Yeah, 
And it's funnier too. Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but but yeah, this was this was a movie that clearly had a lot on its mind. And Ebo talked about how her and her sister, her sister also produced uh the movie with her. So they're like a little sister pair of like producing, and I'm sure they're gonna do great stuff in the future. I thought it was well shot and well and well done. She's very young too. She's yeah. like 20s or, th- oh, or early on. 30s something. So dang, yeah. So she's like a you know a young she's on person. the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is like n- not a bad movie at all. Like like we're saying, like there's so much that was so good and so interesting in the dialogue and the setups and the scene. Everything was like just had all the meat there to be fascinating. It just needed to be coursed better. You know, I think so. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because I I I I wasn't sure what it was getting at with some of the more shenanigan type things, like when they're rapping along to the song in the car or when they're spinning the signs or like the black church tour with the fountain and stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. It feels like sort of business. You know what I mean? Where it feels like, uh, yeah, here's a look into this culture and it, and it feels like a little, uh, a little, well-seasoned or well-trod territory at this point. Mm-hmm. And it would be more interesting to get at the parts that the the movie does get into. And even like parts of their like sex life. Yes. Which, which I thought was particularly interesting in, in uh, some of the, the, some of the conversation back and forth about that. And, and that's something I'd never seen depicted before is like literally a pastor and his wife's sex life. Um, yeah. And it, 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 it there's so much in the movie that's reminiscent of Eyes of Tammy Faye, I guess, mm-hmm. from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And that movie goes as far as to like valorize Tammy Faye as like she became a queer icon and crusader in ways that may or may not have been fair. And this one an- ends with so much like darkness and ambiguity as to some of the rationale and, and interiority of Regina Hall's character that. It, it, it's a it's a story worth telling and it's so interesting and all the ingredients are there, but I do echo your sentiment that it's like maybe 20 more minutes of this or 20 less minutes of this or mm-hmm. a little more just like tilt it to the left here. Yeah. And it would have been something incredibly compelling. Yes. As it stands, it feels like more of a, of a, a, a glance at an insight rather than like a true insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, as we're talking about it too, I'm thinking that another like thing that they're trying to illustrate or show is possibly like the death of this kind of church mm-hmm. in the culture, even though the young people are like rising up a new version of or whatever. There is also, this is like a funeral for like this type of world. That's interesting. And yeah. how this happened and like, the fact that we spend most of the time with them in the completely empty church, I think, does say a lot. Mm-hmm. Like almost, I mean, the entire movie is them with their big, big, big building, and it's completely empty. Yeah, and that's always an interesting thing to realize is that for the majority of any church, any church that's doing well, most of the time it's a big empty building. Most of the time, six days of the week. Usually, yeah, you know? well, even just culturally, America in general, like it's a. There's a time clock on yeah. this kind of church, like surviving many years into the future. So, an interesting metaphor. Anything else that we want to talk about with this movie? Any notes that we didn't Let me get peruse to? my notes. Any any anything about the shooting style? I, I certainly 
um, these sisters, the the director, they were raised in the megachurch culture. So this isn't something that they were coming to mm-hmm. as outsiders trying to understand. They they grew up in sort of churches in Atlanta and in the South like this, uh, you know. And as millennials, they got the flavor of it that's a little more what we got in terms of anti-Harry Potter rhetoric, Hillsong stuff, or, you know. Um, so that was interesting to see finally that generation is starting to make stuff, whereas I feel like beforehand the idea was more of a Tammy Faye Baker, yeah, Righteous like Jim conception. Yeah, mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. silly. Yeah. yeah. So. And now we're, we have a new stereotype to make fun of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, really interesting. Uh, I mean, this is like, we don't have to go all the way into this, but I did think it was really interesting how you see Lee Curtis justify himself and sidestep and not say the words and not name the people mm-hmm. and never talk about it. Because he preaches explicitly against quote unquote homosexuality mm-hmm. and to the virtue of a, you know, a nuclear family, like where's dad? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when he talks about what happens, he says that I I mentored those individuals who are bothered, you know, like this, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, which I feel like also is such a reflection of all these scandals that have hit and how often they keep it so vague and it's very PR spun and very couched in like passivity and things like that. But then they're, it betrays like how serious it is because they have to convince you that they're totally different now. It's like, you wouldn't have to do that if this wasn't that bad, you know, but like, you know, it's that bad. Yeah. Their rehabilitation efforts, the the whole thing and the pomp and circumstance that they surround that with is at odds of the content of what how they're, much they're saying. downplaying mm-hmm. this situation. Yeah. Yeah. To, to have to do a grand reopening, mm-hmm. to do a parade, is, to have mm-hmm. him come back on stage and all that stuff. Yeah. They know that the people are resistant to that because they're horrified (laughs) or they're like already, you know, pushing their own doubts down and having to just, they just want the excuse that like everything's fine. Okay. And good again. Very interesting. Um, We'll be fine without you. Yeah. I feel like that was, uh, that was also the message. Like what that guy said to him at the end. Is we'll be fine without you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like laughing in his face one and then saying, we'll be fine without you. Yeah. Which goes for that particular community, but then also culturally. This generation. Where we might be. Yeah. Yeah. That we're going to be fine without you. So I'm going to take a gambit here. I'm going to play what I think is both of our ratings for this, which is. The space between. Does that feel accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like, but like dancing to toward the edge of the toast. It's toasty. It's toasty, it's toasty it's in toasty here for space. sure. I think so. It's a toasty, cozy, toasty little cozy space. Cozy little space. There's a little fire in the corner. I think so. It's nice. Definitely worth it just for the performances. Regina Hall is unreal. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Did you know she's five years older than Brown? Isn't that interesting? Huh. She looks so good. <laughs> I she mean, they looks, both look great. She but, looks incredible. Yeah. And she looks normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, but yeah, definitely a movie that is noble in its aims of what it wants to get after. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel cruel. It feels good hearted in a lot of ways. Uh, but you do wish it just cooked for a little bit more Mm -hmm. maybe on, on like a script level or, or whatever that would be to refine like 
what 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 this actually is is it is it about the community then show more of the community is it about yeah. her then show more should of have her. been eyes of trinity you know the <laughs> eyes of trinity yeah, pretty much that's a good idea yeah yeah but great good job everybody yeah good job yeah <laughs> and we say buddy <laughs> in the space between okay Let's bring it down now. It's just us here, Kevin. It's just us here. The end of the service. Yeah. Yeah. We're the... We're the, the, we're in the, the big empty The faithful church. two. Yeah. Because <laughs> they call them the faithful five in the movie. We're the faithful two faithful who will two. show up in podcasts most of the time. We're still here. With our producer, Dexter. We're not here to lift things up. We're not... Excuse me. We're not here to plug ourselves or promote our projects. We're here to lift them up right. to the Lord. And anything we're enjoying in the secular culture, Caroline... We turn it to you. We start with you, as always. Well, I am your your girl over at Caroline's Farts, but I'm also your intrepid reporter from the land of Peacock now that I'm a subscriber. I, so I, here's what's up. Grand Crew. Grand Crew! So fun. Oh. So great. I think it needs a few more seasons. Keep cooking. Keep working. Mm-hmm. But it's so fun. Loved it. Love the crew. Carl Tart. Nicole Byer. Heard of them. Fantastic. Um, and I'm going to lift up another one. Poker face. It's great. It's so good. But I barely know her face. <laughs> but I barely know her. Um, if you were just have any inkling you might like this show, you're going to love it. Go ahead and give it a watch. It's so fun. So there's definitely a thing Jason Bateman does to all his dialogue now in any movie or TV show where he'll, uh, he'll uh, really... Uh, <laughs> the bait Stammer and pause. It out. Okay, guy. <laughs> yeah. And he'll. Okay, guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks, pal. Thanks, buddy. Pal, buddy, guy. Something Legero does in all her projects now, where she'll she'll be talking, she'll come into the office, she'll you know want to talk to him. Uh, it's what she wants to do. Is there's the uh, there's the Legero or Legero Natasha Leon. I yeah. called her Legero. <laughs> wow. Getting all your Christ. girls mixed up today. I get Natasha's mixed up. Natasha Legero, Natasha Leone, mm-hmm. Natasha Rothwell. They're all the same Very to similar. me. Very similar. Betting field. <laughs> Wait, yeah. That's just like the simmer that she's <laughs> always boiling at. I think she does that, and then she does like the coda. Like she has, says the line, and then she's like, oh, whatever. Or hey. like, yeah, but who am I? I'm just one you know, like She's got a little like murmur to herself. I think so. I love it. She's so... She's so charismatic. She is so watchable. She's great. Great lead. Great lead. You can lift me up in Kevin T. Porter, Peloton, Instagram, Letterbox, OnlyFans. OnlyFans, we got like 10 more this month. I don't know ten how. more? Yeah. Wow. I told you I got my tax return for that. I was very surprised. <laughs> I made enough to qualify to report, for taxes. report taxes on that? Shocking. What are you doing this month? What are you doing for for Valentine's oh, Day? Oh, we're getting into Dostoevsky and oh, like really trying that's where to you're take doing my your time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I'm accomplishing <laughs> my goals. Nice. Uh, I want to lift up a freaking. You know what? This a little a little tart. We we're talking about Carl Tart. This is a little tart of a movie that you can just pop into your little mouth and chew on and swallow and savor the flavor. It's called While We're Young. And it's on HBO Max. It's streaming right now. It's about two documentarians played by Ben Stiller and Adam Driver. I saw this movie. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. It was fun. It's really funny. Yeah. I think Adam Driver. They had that ayahuasca trip or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, That was great. 
I watched that a long time ago. Though. Ben Stiller's good at being annoyed. Obviously. Yes, yes he is. Uh, and there's just like a lot of wit. It made me laugh out loud a lot. The comfort of my own home. And something about it, I think maybe because I'd not heard of the movie before, I was like, wait a minute, what's this? Yeah, Naomi Watts is in it. She's great. Amanda Seyfried's great. Seyfried, that's right. Um, so a little forehander with them. And sh- and Charles Grodin is very funny. And Naomi Watts' father. Yeah. R.I.P. He doesn't miss. I feel like Ben Stiller, based on like how he portrays annoying creative types, would be like the best to shit talk Hollywood with, right? I wonder. He'd yeah. be fun. Yeah. He's about to start on that new Apple TV show. Three Identical Strangers. You remember that documentary that was super sad a few years yeah. ago? Well, they're making a show out of it Ooh. starring him. Might so. work. It might work. <laughs> Maybe. He's he, good at stuff. He's good at stuff. Everyone can watch Severance. Lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Patreon.com slash good Christian fun for more good Christian fun. And leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. This month's charity is the Downtown Women's Shelter. You notice my voice has been cracking a lot more this episode? No. There's been like a handful. You need a little hydration? I think so. Because I've just... I got some growing up to do. Yeah, I got a lot of growing up to do. Caroline, thanks as always for joining me on the podcast, Thank you, Kevin. Happy to have you here. Hey, thank you for being... For being the trinity to my lead child. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and there's nothing left to say except for, okay, okay I, I love, love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. Honk, honk. And of course, as is our right to do, we're going to end with the song, Nuck If You Buck, <laughs> featuring Lil Scrappy by Crime Mob. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week on the pod pod podcast. Goodbye. Podcast. Goodbye. That was a headgum podcast.